This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, January 11th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. It's not clear that President Obama's recess appointments have been constitutional, though that's not the only problem for one appointee. Mark Calabria, Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute, offers his thoughts. On January 4th, President Obama made a variety of recesses, uh, so-called recess appointments, one of which was for Richard Cordray, former Attorney General of Ohio, to head the newly created Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which was created under Dodd-Frank. And of course, uh, there are caveats to the power of the Bureau that do not come into effect until it has a director in place. Uh, The purpose of the Bureau was essentially to consolidate existing consumer financial protection into one agency as well as expanding that oversight to non-bank financials, things like payday lenders or check cashers and such. Um, And so the president uh, sent the nomination up. It was rejected by the Senate in terms of not being able to reach cloture. And then, of course, the Senate sent the nomination back to the president. And the president, being unhappy with that, uh, decided to, quote, unquote, make a recess appointment. Some members of Congress are arguing that this person, based on the language of Dodd-Frank, actually is not going to be able to do uh, much of anything. There are a couple of issues here. Uh, and of course, he can do a variety of things in terms of bank regulation because the powers uh, of Dodd-Frank that relate to the bank regulators, things like uh, RESPA or, t- or Truth in Lending that the Federal Reserve implemented, do transfer over. And so there's two separate issues here, and rather at least two separate issues. One is, was this a legitimate recess appointment? And there are a whole variety of issues with that, including was Congress actually, was the Senate actually in recess? There's a separate issue that is specific to this agency in that it's generally accepted that a recess appointee, and assuming this is a legitimate recess appointment, that a recess appointee has all the powers uh, and authorities that a normal person in the job would have. But the interesting thing about Dodd-Frank is that the structure of the bill is that these powers do not come in play until you have a director confirmed by the advice and consent of the Senate. And since we have not had the advice and consent of the Senate, the argument could be that these powers do not come into play, they did not pre-exist, so that uh, even if Cord raised recess appointment ends up being legitimate, he may not be able to exercise these additional powers. So there are no normal powers of the office since it hasn't existed before now? Actually, there are. There are a variety. I mean, for some bizarre reason, uh, Dodd-Frank was written in a way that one subset of powers transferred over immediately with the creation of the Bureau. And actually, the Treasury Secretary was empowered to exercise those. And those are the powers over existing bank regulation that deals with consumer finance. The new powers are explicitly not supposed to come into place until you have a director who's been consent, who's been confirmed by the Senate. So yes, there's absolutely a set of powers in place that Mr. Cordray can exercise today, given his, the validity of the recess appointment. Um, but there's a question whether these additional powers come into play because he was not actually appointed, confirmed by the Senate. And all of this is on top of the fact that this consumer protection group uh, has one task, and uh, it is that one task that exists to the exclusion of uh, all other uh, values. And that's a good point. Uh, Previously, consumer protection uh, regulation has applied to banks, and we could certainly question the validity of that whole body of law. But as it is, that body of law was carried out by the financial regulators. Now, there were different pieces at different agencies. I mean, for instance, the Office of Thrift Supervision, which oversaw savings and loans, would have its piece, and it would enforce it on those 
those banks or those thrifts rather, and then the Federal Reserve would have its piece, and the Office of Control of Currency would have its piece, and it would enforce it on the um, entities that it regulated. And so what this agency does is it takes all those powers and consolidates them into one agency. Now there are all sorts of exemptions. I mean, for instance, banks, credit unions, savings and loans below 50 million in assets are subject to the laws of this agency, but they're not subject to examination of this agency. Their previous primary regulator will continue to do that. So if anything, we've set up a, a continued two-tier system. Uh, if you're large, you get regulated by these by the CFPB, except if you're a non-bank, which should be regulated under any circumstances. Uh, and before, there was Federal Trade Commission unfair and deceptive practices oversight that applied to all these other uh, non-banks. And of course, there are commerce clause uh, questions in here involved as well. The Much of the basis of federal financial consumer regulation has been that we essentially give you deposit insurance the bank, and therefore we subject you to a whole bunch of regulation because we've pulled you into our system. But you know the payday lenders, the check cashers, there is no federal nexus. They're clearly not interstate commerce. I mean, most of the time somebody goes into the corner, uh, gets a payday loan, that's it. There, there is no interstate commerce in that. And there is no federal nexus in the extent that we're not bailing the you know payday lenders out. We're not guaranteeing their risk as we do with banks. So there's a number of issues that are likely and we will almost certainly be in court over this nomination. And again, there are appointment clause issues that are going to be raised. There are commerce clause issues going to be raised. There are issues over even the language of Dodd-Frank over whether the non-bank uh, protection will go into place. And of course, all this sets aside is aside from the fact that even the, even the term consumer protection, in my, in my opinion, is a misnomer. This really is an agency that's going to determine the allocation of credit that will largely reduce the availability of credit and also raise uh, the cost of credit. So uh, to some extent, I think of myself as a consumer needing protection from the agency rather than getting protection by the agency. Mark Calabria is Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.